This is the Close the Loop Podcast, a show for business decision makers, focusing on practical steps that you can take to grow your business and how to prove that your growth came from you. Your host, Kevin Dini, a true marketing and data geek, live and virtual event speaker, and meme extraordinaire, is here to get your wheels spinning and encourage you to act on these topics. It's time to put on your marketing hat as we talk with a variety of guests, subject matter experts, and colleagues who are passionate about helping business leaders like you to succeed. No need to take notes. Just visit the show page on callsource.com and read the transcripts, watch the episodes, or get any links mentioned in the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Close Loop Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Dini, and we will jump back into the second part of the episode on data versus deals. Intuitive-driven decision-making versus data-driven decision-making here in a second. I wanted to do a brief shout-out to my former colleague, Matt Widmeyer. He's moved on to a new position, but I really have enjoyed having him as my coworker. I've learned a ton from you, buddy. <laughs> the chair is always here for you, and you're ready to do more episodes with me. So with that, Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the episode. That's a fun conversation I was having too with, um, you know, a sales leader will come up and say, this doesn't work, stop doing it. But you actually have data in your back pocket saying it does work. And, and fair question though is ask, it's like, how, how do you know it doesn't work? Even though you kind of know in the back of your head, um, it's, it's, a, it's not, it's not a matter of like, you know, it's not like a contest or anything like that, but it is like, I think you have a, a good idea and I think that you're all everyone's intention is well here, but I think that if maybe it didn't work in the past, but maybe that's changed, you know, you have to look at, you have to also accept the fact that things change um, in terms of like the marketing, you know, like uh, marketing is going to get data they don't need. That's just part of it. Um, the, the main thing is like, okay, did something get learned one way or another? If the answer is yes, then cool. And it's not about the one extra data point for that one extra person. It's about um, getting enough from everybody to be able to accurately change or not change something. And um, that should be done by scale. If you have one data point, it might not help that one person, but if it helps the other five or six and now it's a new process that we have in place based on that um that could be the difference of thousands if if not tens of thousands of dollars hundreds of thousands of dollars for the company over the course of a year so it's um it's a matter of scale it's not a matter of like that one time that they were about to go to lunch and then you walked over and, and it told them about this new thing we're introducing it's about the big picture. And if it is about the big picture, you want the the other leaders in the organization, at least the, the main point person in sales should take the time to understand it and then let their team know why it's important instead of just griping about having to do one extra thing. And then, you know, obviously if the, if the sales leaders are having that conversation uh, all the way up to depending on the size of your organization all the way up to maybe even the owner right like hey this isn't happening i really need this can you help me out um usually the answer if 
It's it's all about selling. Even if even though marketing isn't technically in sales, you're still going to have to sell somebody on why we should be doing something a little bit differently for the sake of learning. Um, it's both teams have skin in the game, absolutely. And the end goal, like you said, is to deals are the end goal because without deals, not you know, we, the company doesn't stay afloat. So, how do we make more deals happen? Salespeople have to absolutely understand the value that marketing provides, and marketing has to understand what salespeople do on a daily basis. It's a two-way street. So let me, I mean, you make a really good point, so it's kind of hard for me to make the counterpoint. <laughs> <laughs> that was my goal. <laughs> so here's a, here's a little argument against um, what you're saying, because what you're saying is great. But just from like so many examples, we could have data that conclusively, almost beyond a doubt, shows significantly that something is either not working or is working. And if we did more of something or less of something, it would have an overwhelmingly positive impact. It could be totally obvious that something is going to make a significant impact on the overall business. It's going to sell more. <laughs> let's say the data shows this. And to, let's say, the marketing team, let's say to another team, it's like, oh, man, this is my golden ticket. <laughs> okay. That comes to the sales team. That goes to another team. That goes to their management. Then go all the way up the chain. Why would the company not do something about it? Now, one of the big reasons that can happen is that a company and a team is strained in its leadership capital. So if the change requires leadership or teams to adjust in some way that they're just unwilling to do, they're inflexible to do, it requires too much for them to actually make a difference on. Or if, look, we just... Uh, their manager is like, look, I can't ask them to do that. I can't police that. I can't enforce that. If it's an unenforceable thing, I can't make it a rule. It's just inherent, right? So when, even if the data says, look, there's jolly rainbows at the end of this, there's a, there's a, a treasure chest. All you have to do is follow this path. Why in the world wouldn't they do that, right? It, the other side is going to be like, well, I can't ask my team to gather that. I can't ask my team to do that. I don't have any management capital. And by that, I mean, I can't ask my team to do anymore. I've already strained my ability to ask them. I'm whipping them. I'm forcing them to do something. And I can't ask them to do another thing. And I'm spent. And I can't. So that's a separate problem, right, than the data problem. It's a separate one. That's a leadership management problem to tackle. But at the end of the day, it's like, man. I just brought them a gold. I just brought them the path to the treasure map and they're not willing to go do it. And that can feel <laughs> really frustrating. So um, that, that would be a, a point I would say that could come up in a, in a company, in a business is that uh, they could have all of the signs and all the data in the world to show them that there's something that's going to vastly increase their selling. But to them, they're gonna they're gonna weigh things, not necessarily costs. They're gonna weigh things against that to, that may come up and say it's just too costly. But it's not the dollars that are too costly. <laughs> it's it's you know this is not a team that can do that. Right. So it's it's usually it. I mean, salesperson. And it, as a disclaimer, I, I'm a salesperson at heart. I always have been. <laughs> We're not bashing. We're not bashing the sales side. 
But salespeople are, everybody knows they're, for the most, very generally speaking, they're allergic to change. And when it's, because they all have a, you know, there's a CRM process, but they all have their process and the way they do things. And a lot of them are successful what they do. So if I'm a sales leader, and even if you are bringing me that golden ticket, if, if my top, performer tommy only works off spreadsheets and has does things his own way and he makes me look really good because he's consistently sells every single month he doesn't need your data point is basically what that's saying right <laughs> but it which is the wrong message to convey but that's it and that's that's where things start getting tricky right it's like we're making exceptions for some and not for others and uh, there's no universal rollout this process. My advice to the marketing of people out there is to absolutely introduce new things, uh, but do it in small, little, bite-sized chunks. If you introduce five new fields at once, um, good luck. <laughs> it's probably not going to happen. Now, you can require the fields. from a, Most CRMs have the ability to put a requirement on these fields but then you start, you know, if it's not a data point that's collected over the phone or through email or whatever, it's not going to, it's going to be a bogus thing anyway. And, and then you're back to where you started, which is not being able to rely on the data. So be, I would say, you know, and we do a pretty good job of it here. Just, you know, we, we, we aren't trying to change the world overnight. You know, it's just like, Hey, I wonder what this would look like if we got this and stuff. It's, it's usually no more than like one or two, um, at a time and it, it doesn't happen you know very frequently i'd say a couple times a year um tops so um just very 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 gradual process i think what's important here too is we're kind of throwing this bone at the management side of any team uh the reps may not have full control over in a lot of what we're discussing here right like they're just like look i'm at the whims of what I need to sell. So whatever my billing, my accounting, my company needs me to do to sell, that is absolutely a minimum. The things that you're asking me to do in addition, they better be important to my manager. My manager better be like, yeah, I want you to do this because otherwise, you know, it's getting in the way of selling. Um, there's this really painful stat comes from Salesforce. Do you have it too, Matt? Sales reps spend only 34%, so roughly a third of their time on selling activities, right? So a third of the time on selling activities. So what's the other two thirds? <laughs> so only a third is spent selling. You're a salesperson, only a third of your time is spent selling. So what is the other time being spent on, right? Well, if it's administrative data entry, <laughs> if it's, okay, you know, walking over to someone, having meetings, like what's getting in the way? And if you're a leader, your manager, you're like, well, I'm not adding anything more to that, <laughs> taking away from their selling time. So it, like you said, it's got to make sense to that sales team, that sales manager, especially, especially if they're trying to guide and manage their team. If the sales manager is just kind of there to, I don't know, hurrah the team, um, it's not going to matter to them anyway. Uh, the management's goal for a team that they are over would be to help and improve what they're doing. And if it's, look, my job is to help my team be more efficient, data is a huge impact on that. But if it's not, you know, Learning your own organization is kind of a, a big thing for at least any team that wants to work better or more collaboratively with the sales organization. 
Yeah. I mean, there's, there's different kinds of managers too, right? There's people managers who are really good at getting the rah-rah going, get the, you know, getting them, keeping the morale up and keeping everyone motivated. And there's data managers. Um, data managers are buried in spreadsheets and dashboards and reporting and all that stuff. And that's, you know, you need to look at both. You need to look at what's going on the dashboard and what's happening outside of the dashboard. You need to get um, get feedback and figure out, you know, Hey, how's this going? And, um, you know, it's, it's tough, but you do need, I think the ideal manager should be a combination of both. Um, they, they're making good business decisions, uh, based on data that is being collected and presented to them. And they're keep at this while they're simultaneously keeping the morale up on their team. It's, it's a, tr- it's, it's not an easy job to, 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 to juggle both those things, but that would be, I, I don't know if you'd agree here, but that would be in, based on my experience. I think that would be the ideal manager. Yeah, because that's a repeatable, trainable, scalable, standardized. <laughs> um, the the other thing here is like okay, so let's say there's a recipe for if I was put together what as a marketing side as another another part of the business you want to improve sales. You want to help sales. You want to understand what's going on there. You, you really do need to have that conversation. Okay, what's your process? What's going on? How do you do things? You know, what what's required of you? Uh, what things does your manager pay attention to? You know, that's really another good way to start. But other things are like, well, what what parts along their process are really contributing to the value, and what parts are not? Right? Like, what's the thirty four percent they're spending on selling activities, and what's the other stuff? Like, knowing what meetings they have may not be that important to you, but knowing what the whole projects and stuff they are involved in might be. So, how you're going to work with that team, how you're going to work with a selling organization, is going to come down a lot of times to having a bearing on the closing of a deal. Absolutely, yeah. And so from their side, how are you going to help me? (laughs) That's that's what it comes down to. You need to be able to ready ready and able to answer that question too. It's not as quick as they'd like, no matter how you slice it usually, right? It's usually an overtime period of thing. But you also do, you know, it is, it's funny because it should be the sales. If if you come to us, if I'm a sales leader and you come to me with something that could change my team, I want my team to do that, period, right? So the other side of the coin is like, oh, well, Tommy, again, number one rep is, is Tommy, who works off only spreadsheets. Well, I don't, I, Tommy, can you fill out this data point? Because uh, I think we can close a lot more deals like this. Tommy's like, yeah, I get lost. I'm just going to keep doing my thing. The manager's not going to get, if he, he keeps closing month over month, it's it's a very hard conversation for a sales manager to have, right? Because maybe they're even buddies. Maybe they go golfing on the weekends or whatever, right? Um, it's a tough conversation for a sales manager to have because, but it's what kind of consequence are you going to introduce, right? To to hit this person, this overperformer, not doing a marketing activity, and it's interesting because I've seen this a few times, and it's usually, you know, it's it might be a, a stern conversation at the very most, but then it, it's, it's usually, um, it usually doesn't help a whole lot. So um, there are other things that can be done, but it is, it does need to be enforced. It's on the salespeople. It's on the sales leaders who are going to be benefited the most by this golden ticket scenario that need to be enforcing this. And it's, um, it's a tough pill to swallow, but if you hold everybody, 
overperformers and underperformers to the same standard and roll this out as a global change, you know, sales managers will put their spin on it. Look, I don't like it either, but it, trust me, it's a, it's gonna, it's gonna work. If I'm a, if I'm a salesperson, um, no one's ever going to get fired over it. It's just, it, it, again, it's a tough thing to, it's a tough, tough ask, but, uh, for, for some things, but again, allergic to change. So it is, it, you have to choose your battles and a situation like that. It's like, okay, maybe we can just get that data point from everyone else except for that one person. And then eventually the cream will rise to the top, <laughs> but, but it, 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 sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. Right. So, um, yeah, that's the unfortunate truth of everything happening. But it is because by having that conversation and worse, okay, so what happens if you do, okay, I'm going to write you up if you don't put it, uh, that data point in that field. So now you're creating this like this perfectly happy employee has now taken like a morale hit. And then even the other people around the team are like, man, what's going on here? It's like, this is getting weird. And this was, this used to be fun. And now they're just like making us do all these weird things. <laughs> so it's going to, again, you have to choose your battles, but I think that the best thing, small, gradual tweaks, um, and they need to be held accountable because you aren't going to come over as a marketer and go over to the sales team and be like, Hey, how can you put this in this field? That's not your job to do that. It's your job to come over with recommendations and then it's up to the sales leaders to be able to implement some of these things to make us all win. Yeah. So let me, we'll go into like the final bit, concluding bits here, but let me just totally slam the gut intuitive <laughs> driven uh, organization for a second here. I'm just going to totally slam that argument. All right. And then we can do that on the other side if we want and then go totally pro that side. So here's the total anti-intuitive driven argument, right? So if you're a selling organization and you're going off intuitive driven, not, I'm not saying a hundred percent, but if you're, you know, you're leaning more toward the intuitive driven side. Okay. What that creates is like a culture, a pressure on your sales team to constantly have the right, almost perfect intuition at all times. It also requires the manager to not quite know how to train their team perfectly, but to rely more on gut. It's, it's kind of like a, it, it's so, it's so much like football teams, right? It's not knowing exactly how fast your teams are running, how, how many plays and things have been executed while, how well they've done on certain downs in certain places and certain combinations of players. It's just sort of watching them and then, you know, intuitively making the assumption, taking in the information, assessing, you know, what's happened and making kind of guesses and estimates. Now, the, the, the track record from any study is that human beings are absolutely terrible at making predictions. They're absolutely terrible at assessing risk. They just kind of do maybe whatever they just recently saw. Oh, we played against a team that, you know, did a lot of things that worked well against us. You know, in a bubble, that's like just taking that information may, you know, it's not 100% helpful all the time. So intuitive driven selling just has so many pitfalls of being repeatable because it's not necessarily repeatable every time, right? There's, you, it's, there's so many possible customers, possible patients, possible everything. And it, it's so much easier to standardize, quantify just some of the basic points along the journey and see how we can impact and influence those things. If you don't simplify everything down, 
you're really dealing with everything. And if you ask, if, if I'm on the marketing side and I go over to the sales team and I have a meeting with them and I say, Hey, I'd like to know what's going on. What's, you know, what's going to happen with you guys. Can you tell me what your initiatives are, what projects you're doing, what you're like, you know, how things have been going with the stuff I've given you. And all they have is just, hmm, let me just think for a minute. Okay. Let me just tell you from, you know, <laughs> a few minutes of thinking about it everything you need to be successful is it's never going to be good. It's not going to be great conversations. It's going to be purely anecdotal. It's not rich. It's not filled with the, with the context. Like the intuitive, the intuitive driven side is like, look, no other team can understand us. There's no way they get the context into what we're doing and how we're selling and, and how that, how they're going to influence and impact us. Well, the flip side is if we don't know what's going, if the other teams don't know what's going on, if they don't understand even any context, any valuable context, they don't get enough context. There's no way they're going to know. And it creates barriers on both sides. So to me, intuitive driven creates, let's say, four massive problems. One, <laughs> it makes it so that it's really hard to make the right decisions because most of them are going to be coin flips. Second, it makes it almost impossible for other teams to work with you. So it almost bashes cross functionality and throws it out the window. You're basically going to be a sales team operating in a silo. Your salespeople are going to have to do the marketing. They're going to have to do the selling. They're going to have to do the support. You're piling so much on. You thought you were going to spend more time selling? Wrong. <laughs> uh, the next one is culture and sustainability. You are in no way creating a culture that new people can come into and learn quickly. It's really hard to make your team more efficient without, you know, the right information and data. And sometimes if something goes wrong, you may not know what the heck's going on. And last, uh, forecasting predictions. So you kind of end up, you can't be strategic when you're only living day to day, when you're week to week, when, you know, at the end of the month, you're like, oh man, I hope we hit our numbers. <laughs> You should know like a pretty good, you can even know a few weeks, months ahead of time with pretty high confidence what's going to happen if you understand your pipeline. So you can have the answers. You can be way more strategic and you can make decisions that impact the flow, right? At a time and a point where it's actually going to make a difference. So that is my very brutal slam of why being highly intuitive driven is just terrible for an organization. Yeah, and if you don't want to look at data, you, you might want to hire a fortune teller to, as a sales operations person. <laughs> hey, the monkey, the monkey, or the octopus picking bets, right? In Vegas, is more successful than every other human hedge fund manager or better. It was incredible. Give them their own office with their own crystal ball and everything. <laughs> oh man. This has been fun. This is this is one of the um, this is definitely one of the juicier ones, and this is a this is a very debatable thing. I mean, I would be surprised if anyone listening to this has not experienced this to some degree um, at their organization. So this is this has been a, a fun one for me. Yeah, I'll I'll just quickly name a few things that are wrong. If you're too data driven, you think we've laid them out. You're going to alienate the sales team. You're, if you have data that doesn't connect to deals, you're just <laughs> wasting time. Uh, it's got to make sense. It's got to be able to, you know, show value there. It's got to mean more than just to your team. It's got to mean something to the whole company. And in addition, there's, you know, how complex is it? It's really important that everyone on the sales team, everyone on the marketing team, everyone on whatever team understands what all the data points mean. <laughs> if you look at a data point and you're like, what does this mean again? Like you may have been told and you just forget, that's fine. But if you have no idea what all this stuff is that you're gathering, that's a huge red flag. <laughs> 
why am I gathering this data point? Like, why do I care this person's name, right? Like, there's a reason behind that. And it's pretty important to know. It is helpful for you, but, you know, it's... <laughs> and the last one is, is like, teams are stretched, usually, with resources and time or management capital. So having a, you know, good assessment, like, okay, right now this team's underwater, probably not a good time to ask them to gather data, just like you've mentioned. So uh, that comes from a little bit of collaboration, communication, both sides, if it has to involve like leadership at the top to force it to happen. Not my best, not my favorite way for that to happen, but it can happen. So that's probably the slam against both sides, a little bit brief on the data side, but data is just, I'm just a fan of the data and and I can there's so many times learning this along the way that you, even if you're a fan and you have the treasure map and you feel like you're just going <laughs> to change the world, you know, take the world by storm, it just doesn't end up happening because uh, there's a lot more involved than just simply, you know, more data does not always mean more deals and more deals do not always come from the gut. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's funny too because you see, you know, I wish we had enough examples of someone who's very good at using a CRM and they're like a rock star salesperson. It's, <laughs> it's it's usually the opposite. They're usually either really good at the CRM, not so good at selling, or or they're not they, they don't use CRM nearly as much as they should be. But they are, you know, they do sell a ton. So it's like it's tough because it doesn't paint a very good picture for for what we're trying to <laughs> convey here. It's uh. It, it's i wish we had more case studies but it's like yeah it is it, it tells a bad story right for the people who are answering everything in perfectly and um you know they, they aren't having that much luck on the sales side it's it's unfortunate but it does happen that way too there are tools the designed to help you get back leadership management capital like tools that help analyze your team for you teams that tell you what your team is doing teams uh tools that may even gather information from you know conversations that are happening with your team with customers and stuff and so that they don't have to be the ones doing all the data entry and there's a lot of stuff out there designed to try to help a team a, a management a leadership role person anything like that to make sure that they're getting the data if, if, if you need data if the company needs it and the team won't do it they're probably going to go force another team to do it. <laughs> and it's unfortunate uh, if you turn like entire operations around the selling, the sales team to do the things the sales team should be doing. It's unfortunate, but I've seen it. It happens. Yeah. Those companies you're talking about too, are they're just taking over the market too. And now that everything's going remote and everything, um, that's becoming a lot more of a need than it was in the past too. So that's uh there are definitely tools out there that you can use to do that. So, I would say, you know, find the right combination of data uh, that is the most meaningful that you could take action on, that you plan to take action on, that you were important to measure, that people understand down through the organization, and that will ultimately impact in the closing or the selling of more revenue for your organization. Now, if it's like pick a side, like, okay. Pick the data side or pick the intuition side. I'm on the data side. I'll just, I mean, I'm just going to be forthcoming, but it's not like pure data is going to, going to be the winner. And it's not like intuition is going to be the winner. There's some right combination of that. And that kind of depends on management, leadership styles, culture in the company and a lot of other factors. So is there anything else, Matt, you want to say that we may have missed? 
Yeah, I mean, no, I think I think we pretty I think we nailed it. I mean, I think we've we've been going back and forth, and I think just you know small bite sized chunks would be my advice. Build value on both sides and do the ride along. I mean, it's it's a little bit harder, especially if you have remote teams now. It's a little harder to do, but take the time to understand what the other person goes through on a daily basis. And it's kind of like what you know if you apply if you ever apply to be part of the police force or something like that. The ride along, the physical ride along in the police car is like, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you want to? Um, it's kind of the same type of thing. Do the do the ride along with your marketing guy or, you know, with the with one of the salespeople and kind of figure out, you know, hey, why is this? It, maybe you thought it was going to be a really simple thing for those couple extra data points. Maybe it's super cumbersome on there, you know, from, based on their experience. So um, just take the time outside of... Um, out step outside of the numbers and i guess just look at what what's actually going on i guess would be my um, advice to both sides really i would also say if you're a manager of one of those teams including a manager of another team or someone from the other team into like a man into a weekly monthly i don't know how often you have a team meeting or something uh clues them in until what's important uh, that's sometimes a pretty good way to just do it. And they could just be a fly on the wall, right? You don't have to take any extra time to do anything. That could be the very simplest step to involving, increasing collaboration. Uh, they may have ideas for your business or be like, oh, why? You know, we don't need these other, you guys have been gathering these data points. I don't even know. <laughs> There's a lot of things that happen there. So this has been a very in-depth back and forth debate on whether companies, whether anyone should be focusing more data or more deals. So with that, we'll, we'll close out. So thanks, Matt. And thank you for listening to the Close Loop podcast. Absolutely. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, everybody. 